Hello, this is Andy, and you're listening to Federal Andy. Episode 111, National Day of Hate, 2023. It's Saturday morning, February 25th, 2023. February is Black History Month. And apparently today is the National Day of Hate. Yes, hate. Not an official holiday, of course, but a holiday that no doubt many Americans will celebrate. Is it just a coincidence that the National Day of Hate is being celebrated during Black History Month? Mm, I'm thinking that probably is an intentional thing. How did we get to this point as a country and as a society and as a people? We're supposed to be a Christian country. I hear that so often. Every time there is a tragedy, whether it's natural or man-made, like a mass shooting, you hear all of these people in government and everybody hits social media with their thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. And I keep hearing how Oh, we must cherish life. We are pro-life. We must prohibit abortions because life is precious. Except apparently when that life is ended by bullets from a gun. And then it's kind of like, yeah, we're going to go back to thoughts and prayers. And apparently with many... If the life is, oh, let's say, someone who is Jewish, if they have skin that is not white, in many cases, if they are female, if they're gay, if they have transitioned and identify as a different gender than the gender they were born with, Anything like that, basically, if you're not white and male and Christian, and I'm going to add wealthy because if you're poor, they don't really want to have a lot to do with you either because, well, (laughs) it's your fault for not being born into a wealthy family where they can hand down money to you generation after generation. Or if something happened to you at a younger age that kind of diverted your life, for the rest of your life, well, you're just a deadbeat and you don't deserve to have anything. Anyway, here we are, National Day of Hate, 
and cities all across the country have basically been put on alert today because the police have had to warn everyone to expect the possibility of an increase in domestic, violent, extremist messaging today. And I guess there are a bunch of neo-Nazi and white supremacist groups who have banded together to organize a national day of hate in America, the Christian nation, land of the free, home of the brave, where everybody has the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I guess I missed the part where it said these rights and privileges are only reserved for white people, especially males and especially wealthy white Christian males. How we get to these places is beyond me, but I believe underlying everything is the fact that we have a lot of ignorance in this country and we have a lot of hatred in this country. And both of those things are things that people are not born with. We learn to hate. We're not born with hate. It's taught to us. So mom and dad, if you've got a kid who is out of control and is doing hateful things, you probably need look no further than at yourselves. And it's just not okay. It's not okay. And ignorance, of course. And we can probably blame some of our politicians for that because we've seen that they don't want to teach history. We don't want our kids today to know what their ancestors did. So instead of teaching them what actually happened, so that they can hopefully not make that mistake again. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's amazing. Yeah, we're just going to change history and ignore the stuff that's unpleasant and pretend that it doesn't exist, even though it still exists today and there are numerous things that happen today still that prove we have a problem with racism and hatred and intolerance in this country. And according to the documents that are so precious to some in some respects, when it comes to like the Second Amendment or freedom of religion, those documents are very important. But when it comes to life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness, it eh, just depends on what it is. Freedoms are great, and we're all born with freedom. That's an inherent right that we have basically at birth. But, you know, if you want to force us to wear a mask, or if you want to force us to get a vaccine that will prevent us perhaps from spreading a deadly disease around and killing people, no, 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 no. We don't want our freedom touched. But 
When you want to take someone else's freedom away, you know, like the freedom to live their life and not get mauled by a mass shooter while they're out shopping at the mall or at a movie theater or at a grocery store or at a concert or just walking down the street. Uh, well, yeah, that's kind of a different thing, huh? Unreal. Unreal. So, if you're celebrating the National Day of Hate, shame on you. Shame on you. And you are part of the problem. Truly. If you're taking action against hate today, thank you. We need a lot more people to get involved and make sure the word gets out that hate is not an American tradition. Hate is not a Christian value and it cannot be tolerated. And the people who promote hatred, the people who promote intolerance and the people who promote division need to be removed from our government and put some place where they can get the mental health care and the education that they obviously very sorely lack so that perhaps they can come back into society and be functional members of society instead of evil. The fact that today is the National Day of Hate was not something that I was thinking of yesterday. I probably knew about it subconsciously. I remember reading about it. I just don't think it registered with me that it would be today. So last night I was watching television. And one of the cable channels that I like to watch is TCM. I think it used to be called Turner Classic Movies. I'm not sure if that's still the official name. They're pretty much recognized as TCM now. Ben Mankiewicz is the one of the hosts. And they air movies on cable that are uninterrupted, no advertising, which is a joy, <laughs> a huge joy to actually be able to watch a movie without being interrupted by ads, most of which do not apply to you in any way. And uh, so last night they were doing a Western theme which they do pretty regularly. They will have weekends where they will celebrate the movies of a particular actor or actress. They will often do that when an actor or actress passes away. They will, you know, highlight some of their movies. And last night they were highlighting Robert Ryan, I believe. And Robert Ryan is an actor who is well known for a wide variety of roles. He was very popular, I think, in the 40s and the 50s. 
he was a nice looking guy, but he wasn't really movie star handsome. So I think a lot of people identified with him because he was kind of the average person. But he was a great actor and he could do evil characters and he could do nice characters, good characters equally well. And typically, I think most people who know of his work would tell you he excels in being the bad guy. Last night, TCM aired a couple of his movies. And the one that caught my eye was a movie that was released in 1959. It was actually July 19th, 1959. So it was a midsummer release. And it was a Western. I am not typically a Western fan. I was not able to finish True Grit, which I guess is kind of a classic Western. A lot of people think it is anyway. Not a big fan of John Wayne. Not a big fan of Westerns. So when I saw that TCM had a movie titled Day of the Outlaw on its schedule last night, and it was from 1959. I assumed by the title that it was probably a Western. And sure enough, it, it was indeed a Western. The star of the movie was Robert Ryan. And the co-stars were Burl Ives. You might remember him. He was the guy who, a lot of people know him for that Christmas song, Have a Holly Jolly Christmas. Uh, Tina Louise was also in the movie, the red-haired bombshell from Gilligan's Island. Well, she actually did a lot of stuff, apparently, before Gilligan's Island. Alan Marshall uh, was a pretty well-known actor. And the one that caught my attention was David Nelson. He is, or was, the son of Ozzy and Harriet Nelson and the brother to Rick Nelson. And I thought, well, okay. Nehemiah Persoff was another person who was in the movie, as well as uh, Elisha. I think it's Elijah, but it's spelled Elisha. It's E-L-I-S-H-A, but I believe his name is pronounced Elisha. Elijah Cook Jr. was in the movie as well, and he is somebody that you would recognize. He was a character actor, was really popular. Dabs Greer was in it. That's another uh, character actor that a lot of people would recognize. And this movie was actually filmed in the winter, early winter of uh, late in 1958. I believe they started filming in October, November was actually filmed in Oregon. But the setting was, I believe, Montana. Or was it Wyoming? I think it was actually Wyoming. But the person who directed the movie actually 
had a small town built in Oregon months before filming was to begin. And the director wanted the town to weather naturally. He didn't want to have the set dressers artificially weather the buildings. He wanted them to actually have some real weathering. And there were just a few buildings built for this. It wasn't like a whole street like you would see on Gunsmoke or something like that. This was supposed to be a very remote area. And the movie was filmed in black and white, so the starkness of the movie really added to the overall effect. And they filmed it in the wintertime, and there was a lot of snow. And it wasn't fake snow, it was real. And that actually added a dimension to the movie that a lot of Westerns don't have, in my opinion. And that made it really worth watching. The story was a pretty good one. The acting was good. Tina Louise is actually a pretty good actress. Uh, she was playing a role in Gilligan's Island, but that uh, was not the limit of her abilities, although I think most people could tell you why she's hired <laughs> in a lot of things, because she's pretty and, and has a great figure, and everybody likes that. Um, Robert Ryan, as I said, had a very good following. Uh, Burl Ives was a very popular person at the time. And uh, David Nelson, of course, I love the adventures of Ozzie and Harriet. I listened to some of their old radio shows from the 1940s. And of course, they had a television series that ran through the 50s and most of the 60s. It was one of the longest running television series in the history of television. And a few years back, we had a, a family member who was basically diagnosed with a terminal illness and basically came, you know, was sent back home with us to live out their final days. And I spent a lot of time awake at night because I was afraid that if there was a problem or they needed help, if everybody was sleeping, um, we might not know that they were in trouble. So I didn't sleep very much during that time. I slept during the day, but I would sit up at night. And one of the ways that I would get through the nights, which were very long, is I would watch reruns of the Ozzy and the Adventures of Ozzy and Harriet on YouTube. There was a YouTube channel, and the person who had the channel apparently had a relative who was, I think, the property master for the television series and had uh, copies of the shows, which apparently are no longer covered by copyright. Somehow they dropped out of copyright. And so I would sit up and watch those. And I have to say, I, I was really impressed. They were funny, laugh out loud funny. 
And I would put their comedy right up there with Lucille Ball and I Love Lucy. It was a great show. And it was interesting to be able to watch the family age because when the show began, the kids were pretty young. And by the time it ended, they were young adults. And in my opinion, David Nelson is, was classically handsome, much better looking than his brother, Rick. Although people normally think of Rick as the, as the uh, sex symbol for the family. But I think David Nelson actually was the better looking of the two. And so anyway, I decided I'd watch this movie. And it was actually a pretty good story. It was about uh, a very, very small town toward the end of the 19th century. And the name of the little town was Bitters. It was supposed to be Bitters, Wyoming. And the big man in town was a guy by the name of, the character's name was Blaze Starrett. And that was Robert Ryan's character. And his foreman, his foreman uh, for his ranch was a guy by the name of Dan, and he was portrayed by Nehemiah Persoff. And the problem was the ranchers, I think the town had a total of like 20 people, I believe they said at one point in the movie. But there was a problem between the ranchers with the cattle and the farmers who didn't want the cattle tromping through their crops. And one of the farmers was a guy by the name of Hal Crane that was uh, portrayed by Alan Marshall. And his, Alan Crane's wife, or um, Alan Marshall's wife, was Tina Louise. And this farmer, Crane, was going to install barbed wire around his property to prevent cattle from walking through and destroying or eating the crops. And that was a big problem, big confrontation between the um, cowboy rancher and the farmer. And on top of that, it seems that the cowboy rancher, Robert, Ryan's character was having or had been having a an affair with Tina Louise, the farmer's wife. So that added a little bit of drama to it. And there was a meeting among the, the townsfolk, mostly the men, in the town saloon. And while they were having this meeting regarding the barbed wire and plans for the town and everything, a violent gang of outlaws came riding into town and strolled into, of course, the saloon. That's where all of these important things happened back in Westerns, right? And the big guy, literally, for the, the gang was... Burl Ives and his character was a guy by the name of Jack Brune, who was a um, army guy, and <laughs> uh, he was a captain, I believe, in the army. 
And he had a little bit of a violent past. He was responsible for the massacre of a village of Mormons at some point. And he and his motley group group of men robbed the um, robbed money from the army. I guess it was maybe payment salary or something for the men in the in the uh, army. And he and this motley group of outlaws robbed the and took the money and rode off. And now there was an army cavalry searching them. And apparently in the process of stealing the money, Burl Ives was shot. And he was wounded and he wanted to spend the night in the village. There was a bad storm moving in. There was already a lot of snow on the ground and there was howling winds and and snow was really coming down. And he came in, they all had their guns drawn. Somebody, one of the towns folk, I believe, was shot right off the bat because naturally they pulled their guns when the outlaws came in. And the agreement was that they just wanted to spend the night in the village and he promised the locals that uh, his men would not touch their women. And he ordered the guy that owned the saloon to put all the liquor away. He didn't want his men drinking any liquor. He didn't want them messing with the women. And he wanted somebody to address this wound. He had this gunshot. And apparently the local doctor was actually a veterinarian. And he didn't really know how to deal with all of these issues that could arise with treating a human who had been shot, but he did his best. But he feared that there was internal bleeding that he could not do anything about with the limited equipment that he had. And he was (laughs) fearful that this guy was going to die. And this Burl Ives character was the only one that was preventing his outlaws from probably drinking all of the booze, raping the women, and burning the town to the ground before they rode out. So they were kind of walking a tightrope. And because the townsfolk were already kind of stressed out and not getting along so well, there was there were a couple of things going on which made the story pretty interesting. And when it became known to the other townsfolk that this this guy, this Brune, um, Burl Ives character, had probably had internal bleeding and was not likely to survive. The rancher, Robert Ryan's character, Blaze, decided to figure out a way to get the criminals to leave town. And he knew with the weather and with the ge- geography, they were up in the mountains. It was very desolate. And the, the snow was, was real. This was not fake snow. I mean, it was up to the horses could barely walk in the snow. And you could tell it was legitimate. They were having a difficult time walking. And he felt like he, they were not going to return if they took out, out 
on this journey, but he felt like he needed to find a way to get these guys out of town. And the movie is pretty bleak, but the story's good. The acting is good. The scenery uh, and the black and white really, really make it outstanding, in my opinion. It's not highly regarded, generally. A lot of people don't even know about it. But as it turns out, Ryan convinced these guys that they needed to get the heck out of town because the cavalry was looking for them. The cavalry was only like a day or so behind and that they couldn't stay there because eventually the cavalry was going to show up. And he told them he could show them a path to get out of town, even with the bad weather, and they were going to start out the next morning. And during this time, this period that they were in town, there were some kind of strange things that went on. The The outlaws wanted to dance with the town's women. And that's what they did. They danced with them, but it was very, it was filmed to look very violent. Although none of the women were actually hurt or really abused other than they, the dancing was very rough. <laughs> You just have to kind of see it to believe it. But the the good guy in this, as far as the outlaws, was David Nelson's character. And he kind of caught the eye of a blonde girl in town. And she had a younger brother, and he protected her younger brother. And so the bottom line is... The story is, is the same. Uh, I don't want to give it away in case somebody wants to watch it, but it's, it's the typical good versus evil. And in the end, the good wins. But it just shows how some people come in and they just want to take over and they expect everybody to go along with them. And if the people who don't want to go along with them resist, then the, the, <laughs> the solution to that is violence, kill them or abuse them or their family or whatever. And while I was sitting there watching it, I thought, this is really the typical story of what we have happening in the country today. We have laws and rules and we're supposed to respect others and the folks in this town had the same thing in place they didn't really have a sheriff or anything like that they were kind of self-regulated and then all of a sudden a bunch of people come in and they just expect everybody to accommodate their needs and their wishes and they're prepared to make them do that in any way that they have to, up to and including killing them. And that's what I think the lo a lot of the Republicans want to do today. They don't want to abide by the laws of the land. They don't want to abide by the Constitution. They don't want to respect the fact that there are other people who do not have the same beliefs that they have. And when you start 
looking at their beliefs under a microscope, when you really start analyzing them, you see that they don't hold up because they're not consistent. And you come to the conclusion, which I have, is that they're hypocrites. So anyway, if you like Westerns, Day of the Outlaw from 1959 is a movie that might have fallen off of your radar. And I will just tell you that on IMDb, the rating is 7.3 out of 10. And that's apparently with 4,000 people rating the movie. So overall, it's not a bad rating. And I can tell you honestly, as a person who does not typically watch Westerns, because I just, I don't like them, I enjoyed watching this movie. So if you haven't watched it, it is, uh, it's a good movie and uh, you get to see some good actors and actresses when they were in their prime. And the backdrop, the, the, the mountains and the trees and the deep snow it, it you really get the feeling of how cold and isolated and how harsh life was back in those days so highly recommend it as i said it was on TCM last night friday night the 24th of february so it'll probably be shown again uh, you might just kind of check your schedule If you have uh, on demand, you might be able to get it on demand also, but I do recommend it. And this is, as I said, somebody who's not a lover of Western movies. In observance of this national day of hate, Hate groups have been instructed. I don't know who is doing the instruction, uh, but I know who is contributing to it. Hate groups have been instructed to drop banners around the areas where they live and to uh, place stickers and flyers around and to spray graffiti, anti-Semitic graffiti in the areas where they live and practice their hatred and racism. And that this is all to happen on the last Saturday of Black History Month. So the, the, the targeting here is obviously not just a coincidence. It's, it's, it's intentional. And they want these displays of hatred to be public. They want to be out in the open about it. They're not the least bit ashamed of the fact that their hearts and their minds and their souls are full of hatred for others. I posted a video on my on the federal andy twitter page yesterday i believe and it was a video of (laughs) hateful anti-semitic 
protesters. Is that what you would call them? No, I don't think I want to call them protesters. Uh, but they were screaming at Jewish people that were entering and leaving a synagogue or something. And it was horrible, horrible, the stuff that this this guy was kind of clean cut and he had on this little shorts, jammy shorts and shirt outfit that was was white, but then it had like this gold or yellow and blue kind of botanical print on it. <laughs> and just shouting with a megaphone, horrible, horrible anti-Semitic things at people that were trying to enter and leave the, the property. And uh, <laughs> it's pretty bad. And there is a group, a watchdog group, known as Media Matters. And they watch the media and they read newspapers, I think, and look at magazines, and they monitor what is going on and what is being said in media. And they have documented that Fox News Network, which, of course, I will remind you, has recently been outed as having knowingly lied to viewers about the 2020 election. They knew better. They knew it was all a lie, and they sat there night after night after night, all of their little talking heads telling their viewers, oh, the election was stolen. You're losing your democracy. We're losing our country. They knew better. And all of that contributed to the Confederate flag, Trump flag-waving domestic terrorists attacking the U.S. Capitol on January 6th of 2021. It was a contributing factor to that because they were, con they were convinced that, their, that our democracy, their freedoms, their rights were being taken from them through a rigged election. And the folks at Fox knew it was a lie and they allowed it to happen. That is not news, folks. It's not news. And I don't know why anybody that has an ounce of respect for themselves would watch garbage like that and let people lie to them. Really, you want to be lied to? If that's good for you, you need to seek mental health care. Truly. But anyway, Media Matters has been keeping an eye on Fox News, as they always do. And they have documented that Fox News has aired a new story that advances anti-black narratives every single day so far in February, which is Black History Month. Media Matters stated, quote, although Fox has aired a few Black History Month segments, more airtime was spent pushing racist rhetoric. 
Fox figures have spread anti-black narratives accusing President Joe Biden's administration of anti-white racism, fear-mongering about critical race theory being taught in K-12 schools as a part of a so-called woke liberal agenda and undermining the existence of and harm done by systemic racism, end quote. If you watch Fox News, you need to have a long sit-down talk with yourself about what kind of a person you truly are. I watch Fox News in little bitty bits and pieces because I cannot stand the hate that just seeps out of the television screen. So, it gets down to the point with me, with Republicans, <laughs> we, have, we have two political parties in the United States of America, the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. There are other political parties, the Libertarians, the Green Party. None of those other parties right now are viable parties. They're just not. And... I don't view them as an option to solving any of the problems because the Green Party can't even get on the ballot in all 50 states. So they just don't have the support. And if they can't get on the ballot in all 50 states, they don't stand a chance of winning. And by running candidates, they're taking votes away from somebody. Uh, so... Only one party is actively trying to destroy this country, and that is the Republican Party. The Democrats aren't perfect. Far from it. But I'm not seeing them trying to destroy the country. I am not seeing the Democrats trying to take rights away from people, just psh, verbatim, just boop. You no longer have the right to make your own health care choices. If you got raped, it's your fault and you must be punished by having that baby. And furthermore, we are not going to provide any financial assistance to you to make sure that you get the health care that you and your baby need. We're not going to provide you with any help in delivering the baby, raising the baby, feeding it, sheltering it, educating it. We are not doing a darn thing because you got raped. What other excuse could there be for a party to do this? They hate women, and they apparently hate sex. And it's always the woman's fault if there's a rape, right? I mean, obviously, Brett Kavanaugh, how many complaints did he have against him about inappropriate actions with women? He's sitting on the Supreme Court. Donald Trump has been accused of sexual abuse and rape. President, Republicans, evidently that's okay. <laughs> These are top people in the Republican Party with top jobs. So apparently rape and lack of respect for women is A-OK -okay with the Republican Party. Again, if you're a woman, why would you support this? Seriously, 
Talk about cutting off your nose to spite your face. And I guess that's the part that bothers me the most, is they will tell you that they're Christians, okay? Well, I was raised in a Christian household. My parents both taught Sunday school. I participated in church debates. I went to the church um, breakfast, Saturday morning breakfasts at Fellowship Hall. My dad tried to get me to play on the church basketball team, which I'm not a sports person, so that didn't work out. But we spent a lot of time at church, and I'm thinking, okay, (laughs) if Jesus came back today, would he identify with Republican policies, or would he identify with Democratic policies? And I'm sorry, there's no doubt in my mind that Jesus would say the Democrats are the better of the two. He wouldn't like the money thing, which I don't either. But let me make it clear, the reason that we have money in politics right now is because of Republicans. And I have talked about that in past episodes of this podcast, how money got interjected into politics. And I have more episodes I'm going to do that'll provide exact details on how this all happened. But if you're pro-life, why is it that the only type of life that you're trying to protect is the nine months that there is a fetus or a zygote or an embryo in a woman's womb? Why are you not interested in protecting that life afterwards? Because you're not protecting life when these kids are getting (laughs) mass murdered in their classrooms. And that is no longer a rarity, folks. That happens regularly. We have mass shootings in this country almost every day. What are you doing about it? As Christians, as pro-life people who respect life, What are you personally doing? If you're voting for Republicans, you are not doing enough. You're penalizing women for getting pregnant is what you're doing, but you're not protecting life. All of those lives that are killed by gun violence, those are lives. Those are lives, and they're not being protected. And you're not out protesting with signs, screaming and yelling, that your legislators do something about that. You don't want to provide money for public schools. You want taxpayer dollars to go to these private Christian schools. Uh, I think taxpayers, uh, public education, that's where the money needs to go. If parents want to send their kids to a private school that is religious in nature, then they need to foot the bill for it, period. Taxpayers shouldn't be paying for that. Why is it that the religious rights, the religious beliefs of Christians are protected, but nobody else's are? 
our documents and everything that our founding fathers said basically say that there's no endorsement of a particular religion. And if you look at the reason why the United States exists, it's because the Church of England was abusive and they were taxing people and forcing religious beliefs on people and and they didn't like it. So they started the United States. And of course, the way they went about doing that was not exactly what you would call Christian. But uh, that's another another story. So why is it that there's this huge level of hypocrisy regarding life? Do we really need to define life as <laughs> the entire period of time that a person is breathing on their own? Well, okay, that doesn't really include time in the womb, which they seem to be very, very concerned about protecting. So how is it that life that is dependent on the mother for survival is to be protected, but once you're out on your own and you're actually living and you're breathing and you have responsibilities and you have friends and you have family and you have loved ones and you're playing a role in this life on the planet Earth, why is it that that is not protected? Because it's not. If you're pro-life, you're pro-life. Well, life doesn't end when the baby pops out of the womb. Life is, in many views, and in some religions, life begins at first breath. And that's exactly when a lot of these folks don't want to be bothered with protecting it. So when rights don't play well with one another, how do you decide which right is the one that receives the first consideration? Because right now it seems to me that the Second Amendment right to bear arms doesn't play well with the right to life. But we don't have a big manufacturing uh, group of manufacturers out there paying lobbyists to buy politicians' votes to support life. The gun makers do, of course, the gun manufacturing industry. There's, I guess, not a right to life industry. <laughs> so it's okay to take rights away from women when it's regarding pregnancy, but you can't tell them that they have to wear masks in public when there's a deadly virus going around. Okay, do you see the hypocrisy here? And I feel like eventually good will, good will prevail. It usually does. But in the process of getting to that point, a lot of people lose their lives and a lot of people are hurt. 
And we should not be tolerating this hatred and this division in our country. We have folks sitting in Congress right now who are promoting hatred and division. And they've taken an oath of all, uh, when they took office, they took an oath and they're not living up to their oath. And they're in violation of parts of the constitution and nobody's doing anything about it. When people do something wrong, they should be held responsible and punished for it. And what we need right now in this country is we need the Department of Justice to hand down indictments to everybody involved in the planning or the undertaking of the insurrection on January the 6th. And right now, there's one person, all the roads seem to circle around this guy. They go right up to him, but not directly to him. It's just circling him right now. So while his members of his administration have all been subpoenaed, while the folks who actually carried out the, um, they did the manual labor, they actually were there beating up the cops, breaking the windows, threatening the vice president and the speaker of the house at the time, Nancy Pelosi. Some of them have been held liable. They've been charged. They've been tried. Seditious conspiracy. That's a big one. And some of them are in prison right now. But the big one, the number one person, the, the instigator, Donald Trump, is playing golf and continuing to lie. And Fox News is continuing to lie. And many of his little cronies in Congress are continuing to lie. And we got to put a stop to it. And then we've got to get the money out of politics and we've got to pass some legislation to fix these issues so that they cannot be a problem again. Did you know that Congress can actually write legislation and in the bill, they can put a provision in the bill that says the Supreme Court is not to interpret this at any time at all. It's done. And it basically says to the Supreme Court, keep your hands off of this. And that's what they need to do. They need to codify Roe v. Wade and pass a law that says all women in all states have the right to an abortion. Certainly if there's a problem with the baby or if there's a problem that could very well kill the mother. And that it's nobody else's business except for her and her doctor. And there's not to be any interference from the government at all. Up to a certain point, nobody wants to see live babies coming out of women and then having them killed, which the folks on the right have said is happening and it doesn't happen. That's another lie. And the people who say these things ought to be 
held a task. Every one of them, and there's members of Congress that have made it sound like these abortion clinics, well, it's a live baby, it's a viable life, nothing wrong with it, and they abort it at birth. Seriously? They need to be called in on live TV, put under oath, and they need to say, show us the proof that this happens. <laughs> We're still dealing with that nutcase, Carrie Lake in Arizona. These idiots keep filing things in court. And time after time after time after time, the court, which <laughs> in Arizona is mostly Republicans, is coming back saying no. And they don't believe them. It's a big conspiracy. The Democrats are doing this. Really? These are Republicans. Anyway, I am tired of the insanity. I am tired of the stupid people supporting all of these fake, phonies, fantasy, conspiracy, nuts that have no evidence whatsoever. And now we've got a, well, there's more than one, Newsmax, one uh, America Network, and Fox News are lying to their viewers every single day. And it's a problem because people believe them. And what we're seeing is we are seeing a huge growth in the <laughs> anti-Semitic, homophobic, anti, you name it. If you're not white, male, and Christian, you are... <laughs> You're on the hit list, basically, to be attacked. And we've got other things that we need to deal with. Poverty. The Republicans complain about all of these things, and they are the ones in Congress that actually can write the bills, they can write the legislation to fix these things, and they're not doing it. They just want to complain about it. They're complaining about critical race theory now, which isn't being taught anywhere in school, but they act like it's a huge problem, and it's not. It is a legal theory. It is taught in universities. It is taught to students who are taking classes so that they can pass the bar. It's unreal. It's really incredible. And it's very disturbing and distressing to those of us who take the time to check and go, huh, there's no truth to this. This is a lie. But yet many people don't check. And because of that, we have a rise in hatred and racism, bigotry, lack of tolerance, a lack of respect. And the feeling that if people don't share the same beliefs that you have, well, it's okay to commit violence against those people or kill them. What the hell? Just kill them. Like they did in Day of the Outlaw, 
Wild, wild west. Just shoot them. Leave their dead bodies laying out in the snow to rot or be picked at by animals, whatever. So today, National Day of Hate in America. Thankfully, it's not an official holiday. But you know what? There are some people in Congress right now that, given the ability, would probably make it a national holiday. Truly. Meanwhile, we've got other things that need to be addressed, like the environment, climate. Very depressing, very distressing. And I hope that at least uh, this podcast, this episode has, has given you reason to think. I don't know uh, what we can do other than we've got to get the message out there that this stuff is not true and it's wrong and these people are not being honest. And I think the really big thing is we have to get the Department of Justice to do its job. And they have got to and start indicting some of these top people and holding them responsible and sending a message to everybody that it does not matter who you are in this country. If you break the law, you violate the Constitution, if you encourage violence against others, you will be held accountable and it will not be tolerated. I'm going to give you a couple of phone numbers that you can call to register your feelings with the appropriate entities. First number I'm going to give you is the number for the congressional switchboard. This number is a number that you can reach any of your House of Representatives members in the U.S. House of Representatives or you can contact your senators as well. And you do not even need to know who they are. All you have to do is call this number. And depending on uh, what time of the day you are making your call, you may either speak to a live operator or you may get an automated directory. And if uh, an operator answers the phone, you can just tell them, I need to speak with my senator or I need to speak with my representative. I live in Texas or I live in Nevada, wherever, and my zip code is so-and-so and so-and-so, and they can connect you to that office. If you get the automated uh, directory, you, you're going to have to need to know probably who it is that you want to contact. You should be able to look up that information online. You should be able to find that. If you have a voter registration card, it'll tell you your congressional district and all of that. You put all that information into a search engine 
it will tell you who your person is. And then when you get to the automated directory, you'll know who to, who to tell it you want. And then you probably would leave a recorded message for them. Or possibly they may have a staffer working that would answer the telephone and be respectful. Tell them who you are, where you live, state that you are a constituent and tell them I'm tired of the hatred and the racism and the violence. And I feel like a lot of it is coming from the right. I'm tired of being lied to when I watch television. Fox News has been shown <laughs> they're lying. This needs to be addressed. Tired of it. I'm tired of women not being able to make their own health care decisions. Just register it. Register your complaint. They may act like they're dismissal. They're dismissive of your comments. But they do generally tally calls, and that information is normally given to the senator or the representative at some point, and at least you'll be a hash mark on a page uh, telling them, I'm not, uh, not happy with what you're doing. So the, the phone number for the congressional switchboard is 212-224-3121. Let me repeat that. 212-224-3121. And that is the switchboard in Washington, D.C. And through that number, you can contact both members of the House of Representatives and members in the Senate. Another number that you might want to consider is calling President Joe Biden. The White House switchboard number is 202-456-1414. Or you can call the comments line, which is 202-456-1111. One, one, and that apparently is staffed during business hours. I believe the folks who answer the lines at the White House, I think they are volunteers. At least that's what I remember from one point. So be, be polite. They're not the problem, probably. The people that you're talking to that answer these phone numbers, they're not the problem. So be polite, be respectful. Thank them for taking your message, but leave a message for President Biden and tell him you need to address this and tell him what your concern is. And I'm going to give you one more number to call, and this is the Department of Justice. And you can let them know that... Uh, Justice has not been served uh, from uh, all of the crimes that we saw on television during the Trump administration. We do not want him to get away with it. Nixon was pardoned. Uh, Bush, George H.W. Bush was pardoned. Don't, don't forget, um, lot, you know, there's been lots of people that were pardoned. Actually, Bush pardoned Reagan. 
for Iran-Contra, which was a big stinky deal. And in the process of pardoning everybody, he kind of <laughs> pardoned himself too, because uh, all of the people who uh, knew what was going on were were pardoned. So let him know that it's not a, it's not acceptable to continue to pardon people just because they're powerful and have money any longer. The Department of Justice, uh, their main switchboard number is 202-514-2000. That's uh, the Department of Justice main switchboard, 202-514-2000. You may call TTY, ASCII, or TDD, and that is 800-877-8339. That's 800-877-8339. And the Department of Justice comment line is 202-353-1555. That's 202-353-1555. If you would like to sit down and actually write a letter and put it in an envelope and put a stamp on it and put it in the mail. Some people feel that that carries more weight. The mailing address for the U.S. Department of Justice is U.S. Department of Justice, 950 Pennsylvania Avenue, Northwest, Washington, D.C., 20530 dash zero 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 one and i'll say that one more time u.s department of justice 950 pennsylvania p-e-n-n-s-y-l-v-a-n-i-a avenue northwest washington dc 20530-0001 And I suggest and strongly ask you to call uh, everybody and tell them that you're tired of what's going on and that uh, you want it addressed. It's been over two years since the attack on the U.S. Capitol and the people at the top have so far not been charged with anything. And we know that (laughs) the folks who showed up with the Trump flags and the Confederate flags that attacked the Capitol and broke the windows and all of that had to have some motivation for doing so. Most people have not been held responsible yet. So on the National Day of Hate, take steps to act against hatred. That is what I intend to do. Thank you for listening. I hope you have a great weekend unless you have other plans. My next scheduled episode will be tomorrow. Should be out sometime on Sunday. And I'm going to go ahead and get this one sent out. <laughs> I may have to edit it later. So some of you may get an unedited version that I that will eventually get updated. But I am running a little late on getting this one out, and it takes a while for some of the platforms to get everything updated. So, again, I appreciate your time very, very much. Thank you.
Thank you for listening. I would be grateful to you if you'd subscribe and share this podcast to let your friends and family know about it. You can also find me on Twitter at Federal Andy, and I'd be really grateful if you would follow me. I usually follow back. Be happy, safe, and healthy, and I'll hopefully be talking to you again next week. Thank you.